0: saw somebody today. I was not expecting to see uh, an old bus kid. And uh, some of you who were here back when I was Brother Johnny would remember her. She's 16 now, about to be 17. I led her to the Lord when she was 12. And... um, Oh, how different a life looks when you get away from the Lord. Yep. So with the <clears throat> With the heaviness of it all, I figured we'd eat some ice cream tonight. On Sunday mornings, I usually serve some meat and potatoes. And then maybe even on Sunday night, some bitter greens. We're going to have some ice cream tonight. I hope you don't mind whenever I'm feeling stressed out. You know, stressed is just dessert spelled backwards. You know that. (laughs) So that's what we're going to do. It's going to have some goodness in there, though. So maybe some pralines and cream ice cream. It's got some nuts in there, some, some good stuff for you. Or is it pralines? What is it? It's pralines, right? How many of you say pralines? Do you say pralines? Caitlin? We, we got into, let's see, I was, I was at, um, dad says pralines. He also says lookeded, so we're not, gonna, we're not gonna talk about that. English is a second language for my dad. Some of the first words he ever learned were curse words, so we're not gonna listen to, to him. He was nine. He didn't know. When the kids tell you in elementary school, this is how you say hello, you just believe them. <laughs> uh, how old are you now, Dad? Too old. Too old. He still doesn't know that's not how you say hello. Oh, goodness. Let's move on. Let's move on. Brother Matt, start the, uh, start the podcast now, okay? Not, not before. Is there any doubt in our hearts that God loves us? We answer no, right? Right. He showed his love by his words. He says in Jeremiah 31.3, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. He told us that he loves us. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But he also showed his love by his actions. He came. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, a virgin-born babe. He showed us his love in his actions by the fact that he died. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He showed his love in that he rose again. Galatians 2.20 says, Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He showed his love by the fact that he prays for us. He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Hebrews 7, 25. There can be no doubt that God loves us. Do I feel doubt toward his love? No. But do I feel distance from his love? At times, yes. Now there is no distance in reality, for I am persuaded that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But if you're anything like me, sometimes there's distance in my understanding. I I don't understand his love. And because of that, I feel distant from it, even though he died for me. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, even though he died for me, even though he says, I love you and I have loved you with an everlasting love. And even though he was buried and he rose again and he prays for me, it's hard for me to understand that love. I'm human. When I allow my sinful heart to consider, how a holy God can love me, my understanding is darkened, not enlightened. Am I the only one? When I use my weary mind, my finite mind, to think of why a righteous God would love me, the longer I think, the less less I comprehend it. The longer I dwell on the facts, that he loves me, my feelings find strength to try to override the facts. The longer I look upon his love with my finite eyes, my eyes of faith become blurred. But then, as a preacher once said, Jesus is God spelling himself out in language that I can understand. Just like when the sun rises in the morning and it brings clarity to things that were always there. They were always there. They were there in the night, but you just couldn't see it because there wasn't any light. Jesus sheds light on things that were always there. God's love for me has always been there, but Jesus has a way of shedding light and bringing clarity to it. And more than any other verse, more than, for God so loved the world that he gave, more than, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. More than, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. More than, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. More than here in his love, not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. There's one story that helps me to understand God's love more than any other story. There is no other passage that whenever I read it, I not only see the fact that God loves me, but I feel that God loves me. There are some times I feel so far from him. And even though he says, I love you, I I don't feel it. How can he love me? After all I've done, after all I've said, all the things I've messed up, how could he love me? But one story bridges that gap. Every time. And makes me think, makes me know, He does love me. It's found in John 11. We know the story of Lazarus's sickness, and Jesus hears about this sickness. John eleven verse five says this: Now Jesus loved Martha, and loved her sister Mary, and loved Lazarus. Verse three tells us Jesus didn't even need to know his name. The message was simply this, Lord, he whom thou lovest is sick. How many billions of people were in the world and Jesus loved all of them, for God so loved the world. But they didn't have to say, Lazarus is sick. He whom thou lovest, that was enough how much Jesus must have loved him. But it's hard for us to understand that. Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved her sister. Jesus loved Lazarus. It's especially hard to understand it when you see that even after he heard that Lazarus was sick, he abode two days still where he was. Where he was was where John first was baptizing which is a place called Bethabara. Bethabara is east of the Jordan. So you have the Sea of Galilee here, you have Jerusalem here, you have Bethany just a little bit outside, and then Bethabara is just past the Jordan on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. Bethabara is only 15 to 20 miles from Bethany. It is a short boat ride and a six hour walk to Bethany. That's it. And yet Jesus abides two days still in Bethabara. If we're going to do some quick math, by the time he gets to Bethany, we find out that Lazarus had already been dead how many days? Four days. So if you do some quick math here, by the time the messengers had gotten to Jesus, Lazarus was already dead. By the time he got the message, Lord, he whom thou lovest is sick, the Lord already knew. He's, no, he's already dead. He didn't say that though. He didn't wanna break the hearts of the messengers, I think. He said this instead, this sickness is not unto death. He says it in verse four, this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Lazarus dies. He tells the disciples plainly. Even though Lazarus was already dead, though, by the time the news reached him, Martha and Mary's words that they shared together, they said the exact same thing, one in verse 21 and one one in verse 32. Their words are true. They said this, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And we know that that's true. Nobody ever died in the presence of Jesus. But then he says this in verse 33, the Bible says this, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. I want to preach a message that I'll call Jesus Still Weeps. Father, bless it and use it in any way that you can. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We have to live this story. Some of us have been protected from near death. And what I mean by that is the death of those close to us. But I want you to enter into this story tonight, or this will not mean anything to you. I want you to imagine your brother. Picture his face. Or I want you to imagine your friend, or your son, or your neighbor, your cousin, your uncle, your nephew. And one day, he begins to cough. Nothing bad. And as a typical man, he brushes it off. No, I don't need to see the doctor. I'll be fine. But the cough begins to worsen, and as the illness grows, so does your worry. Soon, he's bedridden, fever kicks in, he won't eat, and you realize this is no ordinary illness. And then somebody gets an idea, a good one, Find Jesus, he heals people. He's healed multiple people. If Jesus comes, all will be well, right? And then you hear he's in Bethabara, not far. That is a boat ride and a six hour walk or a one hour horseback ride. Find Jesus. Get him here as soon as possible. Tell him, he whom thou lovest is sick. So hope comes. The messengers are sent. But shortly after, Lazarus' breathing slows and his eyes glaze. Those of you who have seen this happen know it is no easy sight. The mouth gasps, the lips crack, muscles release, and you watch your brother die. Or you watch your cousin die. You watch your son die. You watch your uncle, your nephew, your neighbor breathe his last breath. And you think what everybody else is thinking. If only Jesus was here. This would not have happened. If only we would have sent sooner. We shouldn't have listened to him. We shouldn't have listened to him when he said it's fine. We should have sent much sooner. But now all hope is gone. And Proverbs 13, 12 says this hope deferred maketh the heart sick. You have to realize the anguish of watching your loved one die. I held Miss Cooper's hand as she died. I've been with church members as they've died. It's not easy. It sticks with you. Some people call it beautiful. I don't find it so. I know that heaven is a beautiful place. But I don't think we're insulting the Lord for crying when people die, because he did. You need to understand the anguish of unanswered prayer. Lord, please heal him. And he doesn't get better. The anguish of praying, praying, praying and asking, is Jesus here yet? Jesus, where are you? Have you ever asked, God, where are you? He's not here, holding his hand as he dies, thinking there's still warmth in his body. Why doesn't he just breathe again? The coldness of the coroner. I appreciate that they're objective and they just need to do their job but they come and give the speech, we're sorry for your loss. This is where the body's gonna be and this is who you need to call and God bless you, God bless you. I always hated that. Kissing his cheek for the last time, asking, where's Jesus? He's not here. God, where are you? Wrapping his body preparing the tomb, reminiscing. That sometimes brings a smile, brings a laugh. But then you fall right into remembering they're all just memories now. No more memories to be made. Where's Jesus? God, where are you? It's hard to sleep when somebody near you has died. You dream of them and your subconscious finds joy in the fact that in your dream they're still alive. But then when you wake up, you remember reality is much different. You have to relive it all over again. It's like they die every time you fall asleep. And then you awake to reminders everywhere. His coffee mug. His favorite chair. The pictures his clothes, then you hear the words, we can't wait anymore, it's time to bury him, walking, carrying the body, laying him down, rolling the stone and wondering, Jesus, where are you? God, where are you? Lord, where are you? It's very real, people. You just saw Mary. You just saw Martha. You just saw what Jesus saw in verse 33. heartbreak and tears not for a day or two or three but four four days of asking God where are you finally you hear the master has come all gather to him All gathered to the Lord, to the one who knew already when news had reached him, that Lazarus was already dead, he knew that. To the one who knew this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. They gathered to the one who was about to say, take ye away the stone and Lazarus, come forth and loose him and let him go. They gathered to the one who knew that the same Lazarus who was lying dead and cold was about to be eating supper with them. They all gathered to the one who they knew loved them or at least they thought loved them. He said he loved them. And he loved Lazarus. And they all did what that lady just did. She's lost many close to her recently. They all cried before him. Church, I know I said we were gonna eat ice cream, we're getting there. This doesn't seem like ice cream right now. Have you never? And do you not now have something? where you have been asking. Jesus, where are you? Where are you? (coughs) I know you're not far, but I don't feel that you're here. But I love that my Bible says, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And you have to read verse 34 with a choke voice when he says, where? Where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And then there was no holding it back. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, not when Jesus ate with him while he was alive. No, not then. Not when Jesus laughed with him in the past. No, not then. Not when Jesus rolled the stone away. Not when Jesus spoke new life into him. No, not then. But when Jesus cried with his friends and with his family while Lazarus was dead, then the Jews said, behold, How he loved him. It means something to me. It means a lot to me. Knowing that just as Jesus wept when those people's hearts were broken, Jesus still weeps when my heart is broken. Now I know what you're thinking. There is no crying in heaven. You're wrong. There is crying in heaven. Explain to me how Revelation 6:10 tells us that there are people at the base of the throne crying. Explain to me. It is only in Revelation chapter 24, uh, chapter 21, verse 4 after the rapture, after the tribulation, after Armageddon, after the millennial reign, after the final judgment that the Bible says God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more sorrow nor crying much later. It means a lot to me I know God loves me. I know God loves me because he says he loves me. I know God loves me because he died for me. And he forgave me. And he rose for me and he prays for me. But I know God loves me because he cries when I cry. I want you to put your name in, Johnny. Behold how he loves you, because when you say, Lord, I need you here, Jesus looks at the father and says, Dad, please help him. Please help her. I hope it means something to you, single mother, as you cry over your baby, that Jesus cries with you. I hope it means something to you, parent of a wayward child, as you cry, Jesus cries with you. I hope it means something to you, grieving spouse, grieving person. That when you cry, Jesus cries with you. I hope it means something to you, saved spouse, but your your spouse isn't. That when you cry over their soul, Jesus weeps with you. And when you're alone, you're not alone. When you're confused, he still weeps with you. When you're poor, he still weeps. Frustrated, he still weeps. Addicted, he still weeps. Afflicted, family issues, financial issues, friend issues, he still weeps when your family is divided because you're trying to live right, and they don't want to follow. And you're caught wondering, who do I choose? Do I choose my Savior or do I choose my mom? he still weeps with you. When you find out you've been deceived by religion for all your life, you come to the knowledge of the truth, but you weep over that lost time, he weeps with you, lady. When you're lost and you beat upon your chest and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, Jesus weeps and says, Father, forgive them. It means a lot to me because you know what it tells me? It tells me he's my friend. He's my friend. Those come at a premium. But he's my friend. When I saw when I saw that little girl, who I remember leading to the Lord. And her dad, who must have lost 150 pounds since the last time I've seen him. I couldn't recognize him. That's what sin does to people. He left my office and I wept and I said, Oh Lord, when will people listen? When will people listen to the preacher? And in the coldness of this earth, I remembered the message. And I felt his arms around me. And I ate a big bowl of ice cream right before I came in. My Jesus loves me. And he's my friend. And I can cast all my care on him because he cares for me. And I don't need anybody else as long as I have my Savior. And to know that tears not only hit my office, but tears fell at the feet of the Father tonight on my behalf, tells me he understands. He's not just my friend, he understands. He understands. When I look at him and I say, Lord, I have sorrow, he says, oh, I'm a man of sorrows. And when I say, Lord, I have grief, he says, oh, we're acquainted. He understands me. And when I see his tears, you know, there's something about men. You know, when a woman cries, you cry with her. When a man cries, you're usually like, dude, grow up. (laughs) My dad's tears cure sicknesses. He's just never cried. Jesus could have held it back. He held back the Red Sea. He could hold back his tears. he became no less of a man as he cried. His tears show me he is my friend. His tears show me he understands what is going on in my heart. And his tears show me he wants to share, he wants everybody to know he's not hiding it from anybody. I bear the burdens of my people. I am a personal God. I am a personal friend. And when they hurt, I shall hurt with them." That means something to me. Even recently, as I've cried over people and things, My wife has come near, hugged me, and held me like the baby that I am. And we cry together. There's comfort in that. That dad looked at me and said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Pray. Pray. And he cried, and I cried, and we found comfort together. All I want for you to do tonight is remember, he is your friend also. Don't despise such a friend. Don't run from such a friend. Some of you run from him. You run from him, you hit rock bottom, and you come back. He's always been there for you, hasn't he? Don't despise him. Don't run from him. Don't sin against him. Don't forget that as he loved us, we are supposed to love each other as he loved us. The invitation for me is simply, Lord, I'm so thankful that you are not some unfeeling angel. Angels don't cry. I'm so glad you're not some indifferent Lord, but that you came down personally so that you could know how I feel when my heart is broken. Have you ever seen a bird flying into what he thinks is an open room, but he hits some invisible barrier and it shocks him, even kills him? That's how I would be if I ran to my Lord crying only to find out that he did not understand how I felt. And it would shock me to death. But behold how he loves you. That when you run to him and your tears fall at his feet You feel his tears on your head also. And he says, I love you. Don't forget. That's the Lord that you serve. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.